0: everybody, and welcome to Roll It, a movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ty Lor. How you doing, Ty?
1: What's going on, man? I'm doing well.
0: That's good. Yeah, we're, uh, we're recording in the morning, so or early in the morning, due to some technical difficulties we had a couple nights ago. But yeah, now we're back, everything's tested and working fine, so hopefully, besides sounding a little you know, tired and stuffy, you know, hopefully this should go better.
1: Besides besides sounding terrible, I mean, and maybe we don't. We might just sound normal, and I don't know what that says about us. But despite that, it's a great, great morning here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, so this week we are doing the 2018 film written and directed by Alfonso Cuarón and starring Yalitza Aparicio. Uh, I hope I said that right. Roma. So, Ty give me your thoughts on this movie would you what'd you think
1: so yeah i was uh i was actually out grabbing some drinks with some friends last week and i think somebody or whatever two weeks ago and i think somebody mentioned it uh somebody mentioned roma to me and i'd never heard of it and they were telling me how great it was so i was like all right i'll give it a shot and
0: um you never heard of it wow
1: or i had i'd heard of it like i guess i didn't when when people say roma i just think of rome i don't know oh (laughs) anyways uh I was, like, I, I was like, I vaguely remembered it, I guess. I had yeah. heard of it, and they were like, yeah, it's a great movie. And I was just like, yeah, it's that black and white one or whatever. Like, yeah, I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. I uh, really enjoyed it, actually. And I'm sure that's a, oddly a little, maybe a little surprising for you because it is a long movie. It's black and white and subtitles. And uh, historically speaking, that doesn't really blend together to make the recipe for my favorite movie. But I really enjoyed the movie and and I just love the artistic uh, like the artistic cre i shouldn't say that i guess I just love the cinematography throughout the movie too um I think it was like brilliantly done i think uh, Corone uh coron did amazing um in directing this I thought the actors did they were all great the kids to the adults and and most of them were first time actors and um, I really just my favorite part of the entire movie was just letting the scenes breathe like how long the takes were. Um, I think it added like an extra element to the storytelling of it all because it was more about the ambience. And, and we'll get into this later, I'm sure. But um, and, I, and I really got that from those long takes, just letting it breathe out, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, would you and I, I should I do want to preface this too. I have now said what I've thought of the movie for the first time three times because of all the technical difficulties. (laughs) So uh, that's the short of it, but we can dive into it later. But what do you think of the movie?
0: Yeah, no, I I, I agree with most of what you said. I I think this works for me. This is, you know, I I love the, like you said, you were talking about like the kind of artistic style of the cinematography. It's very much... Yeah. You do, you kind of, you feel that while you're watching it, just the uh, very artistic touches to it. And yeah, I love that about it. I love the long scenes, the long takes, the, the panning shots, uh, you know, the three sixty panning shots, all that stuff that where you're just in the scene for so long. And the film
1: work was phenomenal. I mean, yeah. hands down.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, I love all that. Uh, yeah it's it's great just a slice of life cinema verite uh there's no there's not really much of a plot but i don't think that's a problem i i love that about it uh yeah i don't really have anything bad to say about it i love the black and white i think it works well with uh with how it's shot and the story it's telling i think it makes perfect sense uh it looks beautiful and yeah i don't I don't really have much else to say in terms of uh like an overview before we get into stuff
1: yeah, I have but one that's pretty much it. I do have one criticism of the entire movie and because you'd said plot and uh we'll dive into this later, but the only thing I think for me with this movie was that um there wasn't much of a plot there there were uh climactic moments throughout you know um but they kind of never really were, you know, it wasn't like there was a plot that came up to those uh climactic moments and um I think sometimes the movie kind of felt like it was just plateauing uh in a, in a way that wasn't carrying you through the story, but I mean overall like that didn't really affect how I view the movie, especially because I forgot to even say that whenever <laughs> I was first asked about it. So um, I think that, that bothered me a little that there was like not one big plot. There was, there was a bunch of stories kind of throughout it and they popped up, but, um, after kind of understanding why Corone did that, I, I think it makes a lot more sense. And it makes me like that style a little bit more or or that choice, I should say a little bit more and understand yeah. like kind of, yeah. Why and I, I it,
0: mean, but, I get that, but at the same time, like the whole point of this movie was to capture like just life, you know, and her, and Kalino's uh, well, right. life. And, you know, life is not full of uh, a second act where you're building, you know, where uh, everything's building. It's just kind of like you said, plateaus. And that's the way life is. So I think it works for this story.
1: It does until it doesn't. There's yeah, it's like flat yeah, exactly. lines and then it spikes and. It's not the traditional story arc. And um, at first, I think, like I said, I think that bothered me a little bit more at first. I wouldn't say bothered, but I was just kind of like, I wish I love all the stuff that happens. I think that a good story arc would really pull it all together. You know, that's kind of how I viewed it. So I don't want to say like I didn't like it before. But then after watching the behind the scenes documentary, which we'll discuss, you know, you understand the movie a lot more. And it made me like a lot more, understand the choices a lot more. And um, enjoy the movie a lot more. Uh, just even rewatching the scenes that they shot um, in some parts of that BTS uh, doc. So, all in all, great movie. I have nothing. I have nothing really terrible to say about it. That just me trying to find a criticism is a loose plot. But such is life.
0: I don't have much criticism either. The only thing I would say, I think it's fine the way it is. But you could probably trim off fifteen minutes of this. You know. Knock it down closer to two hours flat if you wanted to uh,
1: which I usually would agree with you um I thought yeah. the timing of this movie was fine i I don't think um I don't know why that i I wish I could pinpoint why some movies that are long I'm always like you can take 30 minutes out of that and um other movies I'm just like, yeah, it works and even though the the takes were long, there was a lot of time to like breathe. It, it was different in a sense of like long to me in the word long. Like I think those moments that could have been cut or, or like those takes that just kind of were so long kind of gathered the ambience to build the next scene or to, to kind of help build you into the moment, you know, to like build you into the nostalgia that crone um, was feeling. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it works for that, and that's why I'm not really too bothered by the the length of the movie.
0: Yeah, and I get that. Yeah, I totally I, – I can agree with that, and I get that because – and that's why I think it works the way it is. I'm just saying if you wanted to, you could trim this down. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think you need every single second to get the point that he's trying to get across, if you know what I mean. Right. Um. But, yeah, and, no, I, I that's not to say I don't like it perfectly fine the way it is. I think it's fine.
1: And hey, if it was any other editor, maybe it would have been. But yeah, when you're editing your own movie, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's a director's cut. The whole thing's a director's cut. Um,
1: yeah.
0: So let me let me do a summary and uh, yeah, a summary of the events that did happen, and then we'll uh, go from there. Sounds good. Man. In early 1970s Mexico City, Clio is a living maid for an upper-middle-class family. She goes about her duties, performing her daily chores around the house. The father, Antonio, goes on a trip to Quebec, but it soon soon becomes apparent that he actually just left the family to be with another woman, and his wife is constantly struggling with this fact. Meanwhile, Cleo finds out she's pregnant, but when she tells the father, he ditches her and breaks off all contact. And when she tries to contact him again, he threatens to hurt her. Months later, Cleo goes into labor during the Corpus Christi Massacre but the baby ends up being a stillborn. The mother, Sophia, comes to terms with her husband's infidelity and takes the kids on Cleo on a trip to the beach where she tells the kids that their father is leaving. Soon after, two of the kids get caught caught out in the waves at the beach where Cleo, who doesn't swim, goes out and saves them, making it back to shore where the whole family embraces. They go back home, all seemingly very content with their lives end of movie so yeah when I was writing this it does really kind of uh, it it almost makes it seem like there's more of a plot than there is when I was writing this it does
1: and when you were reading that I was kind of thinking that too because I think
0: because like the main points are it's roughly I mean there's a plot it there is it happens over you know 10 11 months but there is a plot Right, And And there's, like, the bullet points to the plot. But there's nothing that really builds in between these points for each thing. You know what I mean? It's very much just, like, the rest of the life outside of these main plot points.
1: Yeah. And and I think the movie's, like, one of the main themes of the movie is that, like, men are scum, right? (laughs) (laughs) Is that, that like, what what you think that, you know... I, I think it's important to give some backstory, too, like... Uh, this is a, basically a movie memory of Corone uh, in his childhood.
0: Yeah, this was his life.
1: So, um, yeah, but I, I I was, the only reason I say that is because I was reading some of the reviews and trying to get a feel for what, like, a lot of people thought about it, and there was just one, uh. I don't even know. I don't even remember the exact how the exact comment was worded, but it was like going into the movie, uh, Coron was like, Yeah, I'm about men's rights and then after the movie it was like men's rights to uh F off or something oh, like that. Oh
0: yeah, wasn't that on Letterboxd? I think that was on Letterboxd.
1: That might have been like the top response yeah. on Letterboxd or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's where I saw. It. But y- you get this sense that he felt very like uh lonely in in growing up, and it was really like these these women who were like the influential figures in his life.
0: Yeah, you can very much tell that maid had a very, uh, very big role in his life. And in that doc, I mean, he talks a lot about her in that doc. Uh, her name's Lebo, uh, and she was actually in. I think she played played the maid in Etu uh, Mama Tambien, which was uh, uh, one of his one of his first movies, I think. Um, if not his first, I can't remember. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So he very much, and then this movie is obviously dedicated to her. Uh, at the end, there's the card that comes up says for Lebo, if I remember right. Um. So yeah, obviously yeah, she does. had a big. It, I think it's. Go ahead.
1: Oh no! I'm sorry. I cut you off. I didn't no, I
0: was just I gonna to say obviously yeah she had a big role in shaping his life and his thoughts, and we'll get into like the other things he put in here that were part of him kind of, uh, working outside of his bubble, I guess, or getting outside of his bubble.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's a, th- like, I think the theme too is, is, uh, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll figure out a better way to say that as we go. <laughs> I'm trying. I was trying to think of like a, a good way of like one word to kind of wrap it all together, but, it's, it's like an ode to the women in his life, but also to show the loneliness of that, like, uh, the, the other side of that, of his class life, I guess you should say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he was middle class. Like, it wasn't like he was rich or poor, and, and his problems were very much, very different than those who were rich. Or, I mean, those who were poor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there was still that like inner struggle between him. I can't think of one word that means all that, so that's why I was stumbling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, I like you mentioned before, uh, there is that behind the scenes doc. It's called Road to Roma. It's on Netflix as well, and so we're gonna be pulling off a lot of from a lot from that. Uh, I am sure whether consciously or unconsciously, because we just watched it. Um, but that's it's only an hour and twelve minutes, I think. But it's worth the watch if you like the movie and want to kind of get a you know get a different view of it a more in-depth view because i think this is i mean a lot of people will say this and probably a lot of filmmakers would say this too but i think probably the best way if you're interested in making films or interested in learning more about films the best way to do that is watching something like this like a making of doc with the filmmaker or uh commentary like a director's commentary on from a good director, you know, uh, there's really nothing like that to kind of get to learn as much as you can, and that was that was exactly what this doc did. It was very much like the look, a look into the mind of a great director making a great film, and you're like, wow, that's how all this works. There's, you know, that's probably the best way to learn about films and filmmaking and all that kind of stuff, and this is a great example of that
1: i think so too i didn't even know about this behind the scenes documentary and then you finish roma and it like pops up as a suggested watch Mm -hmm. and i was like oh yeah i'll give it a go and i was just like it made me like the movie a lot more um and i guess it's a little bit more work you have to put into liking that movie but i think it, it it helped really smooth out some areas that i didn't understand why it was like this or or why that choice was made and uh and, like, uh, listening to crone or reading really Crone and, and his thoughts on the movie um, made it so much uh, more impactful. And, and, like, I think just made it more of a real – it felt more of a real movie. You know what I mean? It yeah. felt like after watching that and understanding it a little bit more, even just watching some scenes from Roma, you almost feel like you're just looking at a scene from life. You know what I mean?
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Um. So, I don't know. And not to mention the cinematography throughout it all was freaking incredibly yeah. amazing.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's, I mean, we can talk about cinematography. I think that's one of, definitely one of its strengths. Uh, there's, there's a few things I want to talk about here. I think the the one of the main ones is all the panning shots. There's very few uh, uh, like tracking shots or where they put tracks down and all that stuff. Um, it's most of this movie is shot, you know, panning. There's those few street shots where she's either running or walking down the street. Uh, those are tracking shots, of course. And then on the beach, that was the big one. Um, but of course most of this house is, or most of this house, most of this movie shot in the house. And Mm -hmm. because he wanted or he wanted to, or did shoot in a real house, uh, to kind of, and he talks about that. Well, I don't want to get too off of it. But they shot in a real house. We'll get to that (laughs) later uh, on why he wanted to do that. But it, like, there was obviously physical constraints when you're shooting in a house because you don't have the walls that collapse down and you can't do the kind of tricky stuff that you can do on set. And, you know, there's, there's just less room to move the camera. So you're obviously left with, like, I love that shot when she's going around the house turning all the lights off. At night Mm -hmm. and it's just a full 360 just follows her all the way around the house uh a great shot and you get so many shots like that but to to different extents but yeah I just love the the stationary aspect of the camera just feels like you're sitting in the house you know what I mean it doesn't feel like you're moving it feels like you're put right inside that life and you know you're right there with her and I love I mean, that about. Yeah,
1: it. and this movie does a great job of really immersing you in that in that feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Immersive. That was with the word with was
1: things for. like that. What
0: immersive was the word I was looking for? So thank
1: you. Oh yeah, um, because I, I think too, like when when you shoot something like that with all these constraints, um, all these restrictions on how you shoot it, it almost makes it more real. You know what I mean? It makes the scene more real. Mm-hmm. Because there's not these crazy wicked uh, tracking shots through the house, and you're like, oh, look, they, they're they're on one side of the wall now, they're on the other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? Just going through walls and all this like other uh, practical ways that you shoot people in tight spaces. This was this felt very real. It felt like you were sitting there and just like turning your head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, like I I don't. And that was another that scene in particular where she's going around the house turning all the lights off was another just great like scene to like let it breathe, you know what I mean? Mm, um Yeah. Just it, it was very there I don't even think there was any dialogue at all in that No. No. Whatever, thirty seconds or whatever she was walking around. Um I don't know. I knew from the I knew from the moment I freaking watched like played this movie that I was gonna love the cinematography in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it starts off with that uh, like five minute ten minute shots seems like forever of you know the of just the ground uh the the credits yeah um and you know exactly what you're getting into and it works pulls you in right away it Um, does
1: dude and and i love the reflections that they got like with the uh the plane coming through and
0: and he talks um, about uh in the doc he says he talks about that shot and he's like yeah So obviously we saw have the shot of the ground to start, and then the shot of the sky to end, and that's very symbolic. And then he doesn't say what it's symbolic of. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I thought that was interesting that he said that. I don't do what's what's that symbolic of tie. I I don't
1: I don't know if it's um I don't know what Corone was thinking. (laughs) It's Um, like it's very
0: symbolic, and then he just like doesn't explain it at all. I know.
1: I know. It was very. It was very Lynchy of him. Uh. (laughs) But I would I would assume that it is um just kind of building up, growing up, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh looking looking up to people maybe. I don't know. I really I have no idea exactly what it's symbolic for. I would assume it's uh you know, symbolism for his life. <laughs> like starting from, you know, these like grassroots. And I, now if you watch the movie, it looks it feels like it's like a well, and they are wealthy. I mean, is that they're pretty well Doctor, off, yeah. like they're, they're, up, they're definitely well upper. Off. He says class. middle, or yeah. Up, he yeah, they're says, definitely upper middle class. Yeah, he says middle class. Yeah. Um, it's it's very like upper middle class. Like in the seventies, if you you know a doctor, uh there was you know they had two maids, um, they just demolished cars whenever they wanted ed. to. Yeah. Yeah, a driver that they didn't use often. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I, I think that's like important, but I, I think it's kind of maybe a reflection of how, uh, you know, he kind of grew from this into something bigger. I don't know though. Yeah. You'll have to ask
0: no, I that. could definitely see that. And the thing, actually, the thing I thought uh, at the beginning and the end shot was not the floor versus the sky or the ground versus the sky. It was actually the planes because we see. The first in the original shot, in the reflection, we see the plane crossing. Right. And then there's there's the plane when there's that guy doing the, uh, not yoga, but like when they're having the training and he's doing that pose Oh uh, yeah, for like a long time. And then you see a plane cross in the background behind him. And then you see at the final shot in the sky, when it's up there the plane there's a plane that goes by. And he says he mentions this in the doc. He's like, oh that was just like that was a big part of when you're living in Mexico City or growing up in Mexico City, that's the planes are always going by. But I thought it was very interesting that it, that's the way the movie starts and that's the way the movie finishes. Uh yeah. There's planes crossing the crossing the sky. And I don't know, I felt like that had to signify something. Uh, but I don't know necessarily what that is.
1: Yeah, you know, and and here's a thing to remember too, because I I kind of was thinking the same thing, but he he talks about in the documentary, um, how the more that they shot this movie, the more he remembered scenes from this. So I, I think a lot of the movie and, and a lot of those like subtle little things weren't so much a um like a, an element that was added for uh, symbolic reasoning, more like a element that was added for nostalgic purposes. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I, I get that. And that's, I mean, when, when I was talking about the house and I said we'll get into it later, that goes back to that. He wanted everything to be exactly like it was. They got, like, all the furniture it was actually his family's furniture. They went around to his relatives and, like, brought back – as much Dude, as they which could. Is it was wild. like 80 or 90% of it was actually the real furniture and then the rest they duplicated exactly what they had. Yeah, it's wild. And you know, he making he made the streets and the like the building facades, everything he made it to exactly how it was, down to the cars parked on the street to what it was when he was a kid. And I think you're right. There are a lot of there's a lot of stuff in this that you could probably read the symbolism, but it's actually just, like, him remembering. But I don't think that negates it from also being read symbolically. Um, oh, if we for wanna sure. Look I mean, it, we've talked either about Either if this. we want to look at it as death of the author or if we want to look at it as his intent. Um, because, I don't know, it just seems too on the nose. Like, even if it is just a memory, it seems like it's – there's a reason it starts and ends that way. Just like he talks about the ground and the sky. Obviously, that was symbolic, too. So I think there's a reason that we see planes in the distance when you know in the during these like uh, contemplative shots. Uh, Yeah, that's very important. I don't know if that's him thinking about him leaving Mexico City. You know what I mean? To like to a different life. If that's you know him uh, making a comment on that of him getting out because he does mention in the uh, in the doc that he's like the. The planes, you know, they showed that people were always going to somewhere else, I guess. And, you know, there's uh, a space outside. So maybe that's what they do represent. But there's like a space outside Mexico City. These people, the people on these planes, these planes are going elsewhere to different places. It
1: shows that there's a world outside your world.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And maybe that's what begins and ends that way is because it's like, this is this is one person's world and you know it's it's outside your world and then there's other worlds there's a bunch of other worlds outside this world and you know be conscious of those other worlds when you're going through life so maybe that's it I can, I can yeah, watch I and
1: reading. I do too because if you think about it in terms of how he um used extras and not main characters throughout the movie too. It, it was to show a diversity in that way too, um, mm-hmm. that there is, you know, it, it's not just his understanding of the world that he kind of grew up with.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, because he talks about well that that Cor- the Corpus Christi massacre. He talks about he had to put that in. That was like the big event in his childhood. Well, there's one in 1968. But then, obviously, the, the Corpus Christi one was the one he put in because that was the time frame he had in the movie. Um, but, and that was, I think he says, he's like, that's when I kind of broke outside of my, when I learned about that. And he's like, my mom took me to, like, one of the protests or whatever. And he's like, that's when I kind of learned that there was more than just my, like, little upper middle class bubble to learn about and that there's other, you know, there's a lot of, of other stuff going on, and that's when you realize because there was like, obviously a bunch of stuff happened with the the massacre, but like 120 people died during that. Uh, it's crazy. Um,
1: it is. I I like how they incorporated that. You know, together. Yeah. Um, with you know the they showed it obviously. And, and then the way that they wrapped it back to the story too, whether that was exactly how it happened with Vermon, for or whatever. But
0: I think that's all. I don't think that actually happened. Uh, I don't it, either. It might have. I, I don't, I mean like even the whole, I don't know if she was actually pregnant and had a uh, stillborn. I'm not sure. That could have just right. been entirely for the plot. I don't know. He didn't mention that at all. So right. I don't know. And I was
1: kind of hoping that he would have in some way because since it was like this tribute to his um, maid growing up, you you would think that there would be, like, some things where he was like, you know, I didn't understand the hardships she was under in her daily life also. You know what I mean? Like, added with yeah. the and daily th- stresses of raising us or what.
0: Yeah, and I think that might be, like, the beach and, the like, the whole – the pregnancy, the entire pregnancy, both dealing with the, the father or the would-be father and – just and the stillborn all that stuff i think that's more i don't know it might have happened i don't know i probably you know i i'm sure that information is probably out there somewhere maybe um but i think it also just symbolizes like like you said the struggle that she and like other people in her you know ethnic and social class would have gone through that he wasn't aware of back then and that kind of symbolizes that like all these struggles that you've gone through that I didn't like recognize at the time, you know what I mean? For uh, sure. So and whether I they happened kind of or thought, not, I don't think it really matters.
1: Right. And, and I think it, it kind of plays a bigger part in the conversation around it because for, I just think about, I didn't even realize this until probably a few years ago. So I was an adult obviously, but being like a nanny or, or, uh, you know, a living maid or anything like that, like, you have to deal with your own responsibilities of regular life, but you're also playing, uh, or not playing. You are like you are also worrying about these responsibilities of of this family. You know what I mean? And and I feel like that would be a heavy weight to carry. And I think it would be really tough to kind of keep your not, well, which you don't, but keep your work life and your personal life separate, which you wouldn't. But like, how do you understand? You know what I mean? Like how do you balance out your own struggles against others? What is work? Is it just a lifestyle? And I think especially in the seventies in Mexico city, it was definitely, it was a lifestyle, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously people of that social class, they that's, you know, that's how they lived.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, obviously for somebody like that, like a live in made, that's like, that is, that's your life. You know, that's, you don't, you don't have uh much other option. That's your, you know, you're entirely absorbed into that life. Um, and that was right. very much like he showed all that, like, wake cause he, I think he says he talked to her, to his actual maid and was like, what was your routine? He's, he tried to capture all that, like the alarm going off, waking up, you know, her actual daily routine and showing like what, what it entailed. And obviously she doesn't have much, you know, uh, much other time to do anything else. Obviously she does go out sometimes, but most of her time is you know from morning till night is you know just uh taking care of these kids
1: yeah man and i'm I'm gonna uh, i'm trying to think of the word right now um an au pair oh yeah so we did um this is kind of what it reminded me of and this is kind of what made me realize like man that's that's rough <laughs> uh so an au pair is basically like a nanny but um you know, more for the kids than like a living maid, so it's not just all like cleaning and stuff. We did a story on one for the newspaper like four years ago, three or four years ago. Um and obviously the one that we did the one that we did the story on, uh, she was very like close with the family. It was like she was probably in her mid twenties or early thirties, probably mid twenties. And um, you know, she's living she she's not from here. She's from uh I'm trying trying to think of the exact place that she's from but somewhere somewhere in south america i'm blanking on the country uh portugal that's not i don't know No, i don't think it was i don't it doesn't matter um anyways uh and that's like when we were talking to her about like her daily routine it's kind of what like really made me wrap my mind around like this is more of a dedication than a job you know what i mean oh Uh, yeah she, she gets weekends off, but you're basically just like, and, and obviously when the kids are in school and stuff, she's hanging out. But for the most part, like it, it's a, it's a full life job, not a full time, just like all the time. And I would just think that'd be really difficult, especially like au pairs are usually younger. Um, usually from other country, it, it's, they usually have, uh, certain agencies they go through, um. And it helps them with opportunities to, like, learn in America at uh, certain universities and stuff. And it's been a long time since I've talked about any of this. So I hope I'm not, oh, like, super wrong on any of this. But um, So she was going to college around here, and, and she enjoyed that. But between the responsibilities of, like, just going back to school and then basically taking care of another family, I, I just can't imagine how hard that would be. And I think what – I'm trying to get to, I'm bearing the lead here. It's been a <laughs> big story just for me to say, um, I think this story really encap- encapsulates the struggles through diversity, even in that small of a worldview.
0: What do you mean the struggles uh,
1: the Like in- the struggles of class, like it, it shows. Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the mom, you know, Corone's mom is struggling with this loneliness um the maid struggling with this loneliness it, it's it's almost like everybody has their own everybody's carrying their own bag even in this small house which is like this small world view you know what i mean but the way that they mesh and work together um i thought was interesting but i thought it really showed a, sh- shown a spotlight on the fact that mm. uh you know he really respects and looks up to his uh, the maid that he grew up with, you know what I mean? Because as he got older, he understood how her struggles could have impacted the entire family, but didn't, you know what I mean? How her struggles were almost um, minimalized because of her duties.
0: Yeah, how she, like, yeah, how they they didn't even recognize what kind of struggle she was going through. Right. Um, And I think we see that a lot. I mean, there is a, other nods to, like, the class, And, uh, ethnic struggles in, so obviously when she goes to, uh, what's his name? Furman, Furman. Um, can we just, yeah.
1: Can we just talk about one thing real fast? (laughs) Yeah. The weirdest scene in the movie,
0: the full frontal. Yeah.
1: The full frontal of Furman just training martial arts (laughs) naked in a hotel room or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I think the only thing that proved, because I was watching, I was like, this guy seems like he's a little crazy. (laughs) And then I was right.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah he's uh he's a jerk
1: yeah uh um, not not a good dude um but also that was just like a weird scene and i understood a lot of like why they did this or like you know <laughs> certain parts of that movie. i, I just never wrap my mind around like why we fully needed that uh except to say that it was to show that he was just like all he could think about was like this uh, martial arts. Yeah. Yeah. Martial art. but like, I was just thinking of like this power of like authority over people, you know?
0: Yeah. It might be it. And he was kind of showcasing his power to her. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. It wasn't weird. Uh. It was, that was <laughs> the only one where I was just like, I don't know if this, like, if this is worth doing anything,
0: <laughs> but yeah. So that scene aside, I guess, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, that scene threw me for a loop too. But well, and, and um, it was
1: like funny because I was just like, "Man, this dude just like he just went in and got a shower curtain rod, and then came out." I was just thinking of like the conversation that led up to that, like, "Oh, you do martial arts? Cool." He's like, "Yeah, you want to see some?" She was like, "I guess, sure." And he came out just super serious, full frontal, and just started swinging this. Uh, shower curtain rod <laughs> swinging the shower curtain rod around like a madman um <laughs> and, and yeah anyways he turned out to be crazy so my assumption was right and maybe corona was like that's what exactly what i was trying to do
0: yeah yeah that, that's that's probably it um anyway when he when she goes to his well like i don't know the what to call them the uh outskirts or the I guess the the poor the yeah the poor area um because I don't know if it's like the ethnically
1: I I guess you would say the impoverished area of the city.
0: Yeah the impoverished area of Mexico City. I think it's still Mexico City.
1: Uh I but, I think so too. There was nothing to make us believe that it wasn't I guess.
0: Um yeah anyway when she goes to the poor area of Mexico City and like you see the difference you know what I mean when compared to where she's at or where her the family she works for lives at, um, obviously she lives there too, but it's their neighborhood. Um, you see the difference in, you know, the lifestyle or what life is like for these people. And then you also see it in, uh, there's just like a passing mention of her mom. It's when she's still pregnant and the other maids like, Oh, you should go. Your mom, uh, got her land taken away or is getting her land taken away or something like that. Um, and there was like in the, that was like part of the protests, I think what, but there was a whole bunch of stuff that was going into those protests, but like there was this land appropriation going on and the government was taking like the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe I guess the native population. There's another word I was looking for. indigenous, indigenous, um they were taking land from like the the indigenous population
1: population
0: and that's yeah. what obviously that's what cleo is and they were taking the land away from her mom and i think it, just this passing this passing mention of it uh it's just another nod to this uh class divide and this this and he talks about like how class and race obviously wherever you're at but he talks about in 70s mexico class and Ethnicity and race were very interconnected with each other. And right. um, the struggle that, you know, that took place due to that and like how he didn't recognize that until obviously later on. That's what he says, like that, that massacre kind of opened his eyes to a lot of stuff and made him see outside of his bubble. And I think that's him kind of making note of that here, too. And just these little passing mentions, just going to the out, the, the poorer sections of town. Just be like, hey, here's these divides and, like, this existed and, you know, like, recognize these flaws with the society and all this kind of
1: stuff. Yeah.
0: Um, But I just liked how it was done subtly. Just, like, in a passing, like, y'all, your mom's land's taken away. You should go see her. And then she's like, I can't see her like this because she's pregnant. Um, And they don't linger on it at all. It's just that's just the way it was. And just, like, you know, just to... Just it wasn't like you know bash you over the head with it. It was just very subtle, and that's just the way it was back then. And you know, it's just him way of like po- his way of pointing out like, hey, this existed, and like we need to kind of reckon with this.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and I think too that you bring up a you know you just talking about how that that was brought up subtly. One second, let me adjust this mic. Uh, how that was brought up subtly a lot of things were in this movie and I think that's the the subtleness of the movie and how he introduces like these themes or just like things that are going on was also one of my favorite parts of the movie I guess because I didn't know like going into the movie I didn't know it was set in the 70s but you, you quickly like place that from all the references that there are you quickly throw it into that time frame you know what I mean And and I think that's something that was done so well uh, from the movie theater to the cars to the facades, obviously, but to even, like, situations like the massacre and, and just giving people this relative idea of, of what the time is. Um, Caron did a great job of that, and, and he did a great job of subtly giving information, like you were just saying. He did a great job of subtly giving information about certain events or or, or about certain um situations and issues that were going on in his city that he vaguely remembers, but didn't mean much to him. You know what I mean? Uh, Mm -hmm. at the time that he probably understood better as an adult when he got older, especially when he was making this film.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so there's one more thing I wanted to talk about and I, to circle back all the way back around to the cinematography that we never got to, um, is the 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 use of deep focus uh there's a lot of deep focus yeah. used in this movie and i think it makes sense for what they were doing here when you've got this kind of fullness in the frame these long takes this is the only, like long takes are the really the only time you can use deep focus because it'd be too much if you were cutting all the time um yeah.
1: it'd be too hard
0: so it'd be yeah as a, yeah, it'd be as really a viewer hard.
1: i exactly. think exactly
0: there'd be too much yeah, if you're cutting every second and a half, you're, it's just too much. It's sensory overload. But this, for sure, and, and and
1: I think a lot of people who are listening probably know what deep focus is. But before you go on, it, it deep focus is just when most of the scene is in focus, if not all of it. Um, it, it. There's nothing out of focus. It's not no blurry backgrounds. It's it's you see everything as if you were there uh, in real life, how you mostly see things. Um, right. is is in deep focus so continue sorry to cut you off i just want no no, no 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 that's i'm
0: i'm glad you point that because yeah usually if usually in a normal movie you got like selective focus where the the foreground is blurry the you know background is blurry and then you have just the portion of the shot where the people are talking or whatever your whatever the subject is that's in focus but for this of course you have the whole the whole scene the whole house or wherever they're at everything's in focus and it just because you talked about earlier that this is they're letting this he's letting this breathe the whole the scenes are you know nice and long you can just absorb the whole like setting you can feel it you know because everything's in focus and but For there's sure. a couple the, the probably the most notable use of when it's is selective focus is in that pregnancy scene and yeah I don't, I think that's just because you don't want to see that. Um, cause it's definitely, it's, 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 you definitely notice that it changed there. You know what I mean? Because yeah. so much of the movie has been a deep focus and it changes when that, whew, that's a rough scene.
1: Yeah. That, that one, that one is a rough scene. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. So I don't, do you, do you have any other thoughts on why they would have changed that there? Is it just cause, uh, you don't want to see that?
1: <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's a little yes I think it's that for sure but I think it's also to focus the attention on on the loneliness that Cleo is feeling at the time you know mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. I, while we talk about the movie has like a loose plot or whatever or or you know um just these moments of climax the, the entire theme and I, and I think I really understood this again I I understood a lot more about this movie after watching the behind the scenes and uh, in a good way, I don't say that as like a, I didn't get enough from the movie, but I understood it It made a lot more sense in, in a in a good way of saying that, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. after watching the documentary. And the one thing that is roaming throughout the movie is uh, is this this theme of loneliness. And so I think that was one of those moments where you can really pinpoint the theme. And they really focused in on Cleo's loneliness that she was feeling in that moment. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah, I, I would do I would agree with all of that. Uh for sure.
1: And I I love um in that documentary, Corone he says uh he says the idea of cinema is lonely. Um Yeah. Wait, hold on.
0: Did I write that right? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't, <laughs> I don't know verbatim, but yeah, he says the idea of cinema has always appealed to him as being lonely. And that's why he felt drawn to cinema. And, and in his childhood, I think he was also what he was also trying to say is like when his father abandoned him and, and he kind of felt lonely in a lot of other senses. Like he was kind of like that, um, that misfit not a misfit, but like in his in his family, you know, he was like that odd one out, you know what I mean? Uh, or at least it felt like that for him. So this, this whole movie was really like a realization of how his childhood shaped him, um, into who he is today or or who he grew from in the seventies, I guess in Mexico city. But that theme of loneliness, especially after understanding how he approaches cinema and, and how he thinks that, you know, cinema is lonely and in a broad sense of it, I, I could definitely see what he means, you know? Um, but I, I think that that scene in particular really did it for me. There was probably one or two other scenes that really touch on, like, the loneliness, um, that feeling of loneliness. And another one that I can think of is when uh, the husband was leaving. Because mm-hmm. I was just like, man, this is why. Like, he was obviously, like, upset. and And you got a lot of subtle hints from the audio of just, like, him complaining about the dog poop in the courtyard. And... All this other stuff, um, which is just like, I know this turned into like a rant. I was just ch- going to say a point. And now I'm just like <laughs> on a roll with it. But the like the audio engineering of it all really makes it feel like, I, I think between the deep focus, the audio engineering, the long takes, it really makes you feel like you could just be sitting in that room and, and taking in all this like overheard information and kind of eavesdropping in on on what it was like to be a child in this household. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not understanding a lot, understanding some, but that feeling of loneliness is kind of there throughout. But I I think when his, the mom is, is hugging the husband before he leaves, you know, um, he touches on this in the, in the documentary, even brought or even like more specific to how he like felt when he was shooting that scene. But I think that scene, just like the stillborn, like pregnancy scene both really pulled together that theme of loneliness.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I like it. How you talked to, you know, the, you pulled the theme of loneliness into like shaping himself or shaping who he is, because I think that is a lot of what the deep focus does because, or, you know, in, in addition to kind of showing us all these surrounding, it's also showing us how these surroundings and how this setting and how this landscape, whether it's the you know 1970, Mexico City, all the stuff that leads to that, uh, how it shapes the lives of Cleo. Well, the life of Cleo and the lives of everybody else in the household as well. But how yeah. all these external externalities shape Cleo's life, uh, whether she wants them to or not. And I think that's yeah. very apparent. You know what I mean?
1: For sure. I I mean, I 100% agree with you. And, and I think, too, the, the only other time I can think of that they had a shallow depth of field, or you know, um, selective focus, is in the movie theater mm-hmm. when it was on Cleo and for men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and thinking back on that too, because after that movie theater cut, you know what it really did, aside from you know give you another thing that subtly gives you the time frame of this movie in this beautiful theater, um, was that. It, like, showed this couple just so disconnected from other, um, quote-unquote, like, normal people. You know what I mean? Like, th- they were still so disconnected, both by class, by being um, indigenous, I think, and, and just, you know what I mean? Like, of who they were as people, being so separated from the rest of it in the theater, you know? Mm-hmm. And then what comes after that is a deep focus tracking scene, which is beautiful of, uh, her walking out into the streets looking and for chaos. Him. Yeah. Looking for him. And there's just like all this commotion and street vendors and, uh, and, and she's like walking through and, um, you see it all. You feel like you're just like watching her walk through and you're picking up on other things that are going on throughout the scene. And, uh, that was that was a great scene, but I I think those that contrast really showed that loneliness that she felt. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, you got anything else?
1: Uh, I I talked on this a little bit, but um, the audio engineering in this movie was phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and I don't know if that's something that I'm like picking up on more now. Uh. It it's just something that I'm probably noticing more now or more interested in now. I don't really understand why I'm picking up on that more, but um just like all the subtle hints of audio, uh I, I just thought it was like the engineering of it all was so great. Like they used very they used the sounds to put you in the scene rather than the scenes to dictate the sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. There were scenes where you didn't see what you heard, but you understood what was going on. Yeah. And yeah. I think being able to mix that in with this and then have this movie still be like a cinematic masterpiece of a memory of your life, like, it is, is insane. I, I think it's insane that Corone pulled this all off because I feel like, you know, when you're trying to make a movie for yourself, that's great, but you, you also do a lot of things that only you would understand or only that you would like or... You know what I mean? That wouldn't really appeal to a broad audience. Mm -hmm. And I think with this, he did everything to perfection, honestly. Um, He made the movie he wanted to make, and it kind of went... A a lot of other people really loved it, too. Mostly for, I think, um, just for its mundane storytelling of life. But really, like once you break that down, you kind of understand... the impacts of these people and, and how this can shape people, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's you know, a lot of times when directors do stuff that is only for them, sometimes it either it comes off as indulgent or doesn't work for a lot of other people, but this does. And uh, yeah, props to him for making that work and making that, uh, making that mesh, what he wanted to make. And, you know, it, works cinematically too so
1: props and like you said this is basically all a director's cut i think this that's another like unique thing about this movie is that whether like knowing that this was a story on his memories and nostalgia um make the movie like, don't change the movies, how I perceive the movie at first, I was like, oh, I, I really like this, but then I was like, oh, I understand this more, and I like it more, and then, like, once you know all the subtleties about it, like, he didn't do anything that I think took away from the movie, Um and especially with him having almost complete control over this entire production, Uh I, I think that it's a fine line to walk between making a fantastic film, like, that you want to make, and that everybody else can also make and making a film that you want to make that nobody else will like, you know, um, and striking that balance. I think I haven't done it. Obviously I think is a very (laughs) difficult thing to do. You've we've definitely seen where like directors have like fallen short in that aspect, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think as far as Corone goes, he freaking knocked it out of the park.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, if you don't, do you have anything else? That's all I got all right well uh what are we doing next week then
1: next week we are doing the 2011 10 10 2010 uh horror i, I don't know horror uh yeah, i've never seen that. i think it's more of like uh, a thriller horror. okay
0: suspense thriller yeah
1: yeah i remember when the movie came Mystery. out it's it's the 2010 uh <laughs> 2010 Scorsese movie, Shutter Island, with uh, your boy, Leo. And um, Ryan's seen it before. I haven't. Um, I'm not a big thriller guy, but I think my taste in movies and genres has been... It's been getting a full run through. I, I I don't mind thrillers that much. I didn't like dramas when we started this podcast, and now I love dramas, so I don't know. I don't know what that says. But... <laughs>
0: Nah, Where I haven't can, uh, seen in a long time, so it'll be it'll be like pretty much a first watch for me. I haven't seen a pretty I haven't seen it since it came out, so it's been yeah, yeah it's be been eleven years. It. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be good to revisit it. Uh, I always like do it watching and talking about Scorsese movies, so that'll be good.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that episode too, and uh, you know, especially now that we have two weeks between episodes, it's uh, I don't know the time to, I guess to explore more in movies like this. Not that this was supposed to be like this. We're recording last minute, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we got to watch that yeah. behind the scenes. And, and I think with Scorsese, most of his movies are a little long. So I like that we can dive into some longer stuff, but in yeah. between these long, these long, uh, that week without a roll it dropping on a Monday, where can people find us, Ryan?
0: So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram or at roll it podcast on both of those, uh, follow us, check out our post comment, DM us, do whatever you do on social medias, you know, the normal stuff and uh, you can also email us at rolluppodcasts at gmail.com Anything else, Ty?
1: I think that about wraps it up Um, We're always open for movie suggestions so drop us a line and let us know what you think of the podcast. Give us a review if you have some time Other than that, I'm good to go, Ryan
0: Yeah, that'll uh, do it for me and we'll see y'all next or we'll see y'all in two weeks with Scorsese's Shutter Island